You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. Another thing Jesus said was, he said, I never do anything on my own initiative. So even though he was 33 years old, he was like a little child with his own dad mm-hmm. all, his whole life. Mm-hmm. He continually depended on his heavenly father. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I'm Taylor. We are counting down the days to Easter, and we are going to unpack a great message called Power in Weakness. I'm joined by two special guests and friends. First, we're joined by Pastor of Spiritual Formation. Bob Moss is in the house. Bob, thanks for being here. Great to be here. Awesome. Good to have you. And we're joined by lead pastor, Jose Avaroa. Good morning, Taylor. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Great to have both of y'all here. Jose, let me give you the first word as you delivered a great message unpacking kind of this week. I love how you called it a week of weakness as far as this Holy or Passion Week. So love to hear your thoughts as you prepared for the message, why you picked the stories you did and kind of landed on the key themes you did. Well, it started very simply. I read the narrative of of this week in, in in the Bible and uh, again, the Gospel of John um, really spoke to me because I, I, I had learned this, but I forgot that most of the Gospel of John, almost half of the book, is uh, in this last week. Again, the Upper Room Discourse taken most of that a few chapters long, um, Jesus's uh, message there. But uh, I read through the narrative and then, yeah, it just stuck out to me how many times Jesus had weak moments, moments of weakness where he was either rejected or denied, betrayed, uh, and ultimately crucified. And uh, we, you know, Palm Sunday normally talk about kingship and how Jesus comes in triumphantly. And and then next Sunday, we we talk about Easter and the resurrection. And so I just uh, felt compelled to talk about the, the, the in-between stuff, which is the hard stuff and um, using Paul's uh, verses in 1 Corinthians that speaks to us on um, we are strong when, when we're weak. And that's not cultural, that's not normal <laughs> uh, re- reason or, or, or rational, um, but it's so important for us to get that as followers and disciples of Jesus. So that's the background. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. And then we're gonna unpack a little bit here in Mark 8 and just kind of the, the key theme here about denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following Jesus. But, but I'd love to bring you in on here on the first question here about uh, just denying yourself, because I feel like uh, you do such a good job of doing this and modeling this. Uh, if anyone could brag about how much he knows or how much he's seen Done. or been through, yeah, yeah accomplished, yeah. Uh, I feel like it'd be you and yet you're one of the humblest people I know. And uh, so so what are maybe some of the ways that you can encourage us that maybe are wrestling with our own pride as far as just that idea of denying ourselves, like Jose said, is so countercultural. And at least for me, it goes against you know my own flesh and everything that I want to do. So what are ways in which you've just been able to grow in that and seeing God continue to to keep you humble in this season? Well, life's experiences in and of themselves are designed to break us. But Jesus, one day with his disciples, called a little child and asked the child to come, and he placed the child among them. And then he said to the disciples, unless you change and become like this little child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And that's what God is looking for from us is to 
become like little children because little children uh, trust a whole lot easier than adults do. Mm -hmm. They haven't had the chance in life to be hurt and broken like so many adults have. Mm -hmm. So another thing Jesus said was that I, I can, he said, I never do anything on my own initiative. I can only do the things that I see my father doing, and I can only say the things that I see my father saying. So even though uh, he was 33 years old, he was like a little child with his own dad mm -hmm. uh, all, his whole life. Mm -hmm. He continually depended on his heavenly father. And that's the place that... Uh, God is wanting all of us to come to. It just takes us a long time to get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that correlation between denying ourselves and then also being fully dependent on God. And that's something that I see in you, Bob, so well. You you depend on God in, in, in hard times and, and in good times, equally your disciplines. We talked about this in the podcast last week, and I think it's also really relevant to today that you know when we deny ourselves, we're emptying ourselves, we're laying Amen. down those Amen. things that concern us, and then we're picking up the things of God. So that's where the spiritual disciplines come in. Yeah. That's when prayer comes in, scripture reading, scripture memorization. That That's what fills us with um, his power, his strength when when we when we go through trials and, and hard times. And um, you've been such a mentor and a role model to me and I know to so many others because I want to look like you, be like you when I'm your age, Bob. Uh, the joy of the Lord that just is so obvious when, when we're around you. And so um, yeah, denying ourselves can can maybe look like um, self-deprecating or or like we have to talk ourselves down, but it's actually the opposite. You you lay your, your the things that are concerning you. You lay down your ego, and then you pick up your identity in Christ. And with that, the joy and the peace that comes with with that, which is way more than anything we can do on our own strength. Amen. Yeah, Jose, you brought up ego and uh, Bob, I think about just the phrase that you said, I don't know how many years ago, whatever, about just our ego is not an amigo. And uh, I want to ask both of y'all just practically, what does this look like to uh, deny ourselves? I love some of the uh, examples, Jose, that you pulled in as far as whether disciples or Barabbas or Pilate, who um, they didn't, you know, as far as deny, whether it was selfishness, greed, um, just a, a zealous for power or people pleasing. But but what, is it, what does it actually look like? Like, um, like we're sitting here and we're like, okay, I need to deny myself. It, it doesn't sound <laughs> doesn't sound necessarily most appealing, but I know it's right. What does that look like on a day to day? Like Bob, just in your day to day, what does it look like for you to deny yourself? And it can be something super small or something really big, but but what does that kind of look like in your life? Well, it's a continual process of uh, I I've told you I've got five rules that I live by and or I try to live by, and that's the one, non-judgment. That's the biggest battle I have is, is uh, judging uh, because it's my ego that is really the one that is wanting me to judge and compare myself with other people or to, to make evaluations which it's really impossible for me to do because I don't have all the facts. I don't know everything about a person, and so I have no business judging anybody. And the Bible says if we do judge other people, we're condemning ourselves because we're guilty of the very things that we're judging other people to. Yeah. So that 
that is has been really probably the biggest challenge of my life is the challenge of judgment. You said compassion, um, you know, having compassion for people, having the same compassion that Jesus has for us. And so I think that's a cure that that I uh, need to continually take, you know, that medicine every day when when I see a hard uh, situation or, or maybe a, a relationship where there's some tension, instead of looking at the situation through my own lens, instead uh, see things or try to see things the way that God sees them or that Jesus would see them. And um, I do think about these um, five things, selfishness, greed, loneliness, zealous for power, people pleasing. So Jesus was the most selfless person that ever mm-hmm. walked. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the most generous. <laughs> he unconditionally mm-hmm. get, loved us and gave his life for us. Uh, lonely, I mean, I can only imagine how lonely he must have felt being perfect and being fully God in a in a totally imperfect uh, uh, group, uh, surrounded by imperfect people. And yet he still chose to call three his best friends and 12 his apostles and you know others, disciples and beyond. So he was always with the people. He was not lonely. He had all the power in the world, zealous for power. And yet he gave that up. Uh, Philippians 2 talks a lot about that posture mm-hmm. and then uh, people pleasing. So he could have given people what they wanted. Miracle here, miracle there. But, but he only did what the father, your point earlier, Bob, what the father asked him to do. And uh, so for me, it's, it's, it's adoring Jesus and looking at all the things that he did written down in, in the Bible and then the things that he's done in my life and remembering those and allowing anything that I do, make sure that that's a response to what Jesus has done for us and for me. And so um, that's, that's, I think, what denying ourselves, yeah. uh, that's how I try to deny myself. Um, I just think about Jesus. Mm. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Here on the second point here, talking about taking up uh, my cross as far as self-awareness. And then Jose, you're kind of, a sub point here was humbly recognize my sins and receive what Jesus did for me. There you go. And yeah, yeah I think that's right in line with that. It, it, it can be a, a simple concept and yet it is, at least in my opinion, so hard <laughs> in my experience to, to live this out. And so why do y'all think it is so hard for us? So again, just rereading this, it's humbly recognizing my sins and receive what Jesus did for me. Why, why is that so hard for us as believers to grasp and to, and to, to truly uh, just let resonate in our lives? I think we're confused. Uh, our brains don't function in reality. Here's what I mean. We're confused in thinking that if we try hard enough, we will be powerful. You know, if, if we do the things that, that the world says or that our flesh asks us to do, we'll be able to accomplish great things. That's not the reality. The reality is what Jesus said, whoever loses their life will save it. You know, if you give, if you give your, your life away, you'll actually be given way more satisfaction and joy. But something's wrong in our brain that we see life our way and we're incapable of seeing life, you know, through the lens of, of what Jesus has done for us. So he modeled that. He gave up his life. And therefore the cross is the most powerful moment that this world has ever experienced. Amen. The living God giving up his life, pouring out his blood so that our sins could be paid for and we can have a relationship with them. You know, power in our mind doesn't work Mm -hmm. that way. Power Mm -hmm. in our mind is go get it, Mm -hmm. you know, do more, be more. Mm -hmm. And, And what Jesus is saying here is you want power? 
deny yourself. Mm-hmm. See this terrible thing that happened on Good Friday, you know, as, as the source of, of true power. Yeah. Well, Jesus knew the whole, I mean, from the very beginning, he knew that his ultimate destiny, ultimate destiny was the cross. Mm-hmm. So you brought out the beautiful picture of, of the Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday being victorious in that when he rides in, uh, in his heart, he knows he's, he- he's headed for the cross. But he's got all of these people with all of these accolades and praises and worshiping him. And yet he knows that it's only temporary, yeah. that it's going to be just a few hours and all these very same people are going to be turning their back on him. Mm-hmm. And he embraced that. He, he, embraced he knew that was coming. And and then one of the things that uh, it talks about in the parable of the sower, uh, the second uh, group of people, it says the the people who are they receive the word of God with joy, but when trouble mm-hmm. or persecution mm-hmm. comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Jesus didn't fall away. Mm-hmm. He knew. Mm-hmm that it was through those experiences that he would be tested and he would be able to help us because he could experience them. And so we, the thing that we need to remember when we are facing those tests is that we've got a Lord and Savior who has already gone through every kind of temptation that there is, and he came through it with, with strength because... He set the example. He entrusted his life to him who judges justly, and that's his heavenly Father. And that's what we need to do. We Embracing the cross really means surrendering to God and entrusting our lives to him. Amen. That's so good, Bob. Yeah, that's so good. Uh yeah, I'm just going to jump to the next point. <laughs> we don't have a mic. Uh, we have a mic stand, so we can't drop a mic, but, but that was really good, Bob. That was really good. Uh, the last part here about following Jesus and, and just selfless living here, the, the sub point here is persistently follow him as the Lord of my life. I want to take this question a little different way. Uh, for someone that maybe feels like Jesus is distant, like as far as this idea that they want to follow Jesus, but maybe they just don't know where he is or where he's going or, or kind of where he's at, how would y'all two just encourage someone that's maybe newer in their walk and wants to follow Jesus, but is just trying to figure out maybe those baby steps as far as just where is Jesus? So where where do, they, where do you go find him? And what does that look like as far as in your life? You just said baby steps. And I think that's it. It's baby steps. It's uh, recognize where he's at. Uh, he is not far. Again, that's the confusion that we have in our brain. Faith is a mystery. Uh, the the gospel is a mystery. Uh, that's one thing that I loved growing up. Uh, at the end of every mass in Catholic Church, we would say, "Let us celebrate the mystery of our faith." You know, and and you, it, it's not a mystery because we know Him, Jesus. We know what the gospel is, what He did for us. That's not mysterious. But what is mysterious is how it all comes together, and how it's both corporate in in, in our Sunday morning gathering and then incredibly personal in our most quietest moments during the day and in our hardest circumstances in life. He is right there. There's a verse in the Psalms that says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Um, so, So he wants to be with us in those dark, dark times. And so I think whatever that baby step looks like, maybe it's 
two minutes in prayer, where it's opening up your Bible and reading that verse of the day, talking about God with a family member or a coworker, just saying, hey, I have these doubts or I have these questions, just talking about him, there's great power because you're bringing him into your reality, the reality of your mind, uh, the posture of your heart. And, and that's how I've seen him work in my life so many times in the most unlikely places uh, when maybe I'm not you know, in a church setting or church-like setting, and yet, wow, there he is. And that's because he's on mission all the time for all people, not just you know those that get it right or are, are trying to get it right. He, he loves us so much um, that he shows up everywhere. So taking those baby steps, I think is the key. Amen. Bob, would you have any words of encouragement? Yeah, I think um, Jose brought it out beautifully in this sermon when he talked about how Jesus was before Pilate and Pilate mm. was doing everything that he could to try and let Jesus off the hook. <laughs> and yet... He couldn't do it, and Jesus submitted himself to the very person that had his life in his hands, and he surrendered. He, because he saw, he saw Pilate, Jesus saw Pilate as the instrument of God. He saw the high priest as the instrument of God that had to do what they did in order for him to go to the cross. If they hadn't have done that, he wouldn't have gone to the cross. But he was surrendered, surrendered to everybody because he knew that God was in control of his circumstances. And he knew that God was the one that he had to put his trust in. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Jose, you close the message uh, reading just the the story of the cross through John 19. And this is a special week. And uh, as far as whether it's Holy Week, Passion Week, as far as just counting down to Easter, love to get both of y'all's thoughts. It's more to zoom out high level on the importance of the week and maybe just either um, maybe a, a truth that you're trying to kind of sit in a lot this week, or maybe just even part of the stories that we, we shared this Sunday that maybe really resonate with you that you'd love to kind of leave us as we count down to Easter? Wow, yeah, that's a big, big question. I think the oxymoron, the Good Friday, we call it Good Friday, and yet, you know, the, the, the God who I love and believe in and go to every day many, many times, remembering what he did for me, I think is so important. Mm. Um, remembering the narrative of the cross, remembering how he was betrayed and denied and mocked and, you know, uh, wrongly accused and, and wrongly convicted. Um, those, those are important. Uh, it, it makes it more intimate and it makes it more real for me. So um, I was there on Sunday and I'm going to stay there this week mm -hmm. pondering those things. Um, the morning devotionals this week are all about anticipation. And I think that's that there's that too, is that we're not only staying in that solemn, wow, Jesus, you did that for us, but we're also anticipating that we know the end. Mm -hmm. He is going to resurrect from the dead. He is alive right now, thanks to what he did all those years ago. So Amen. again, just spending time thinking about that is, is um, where I'm at. Amen. I, I, there's so much to reflect on, but um, in John chapter 17, um, Jesus prays to his father. And in the process of praying, he's not only praying uh, for himself, but he's praying for us 
because his main thing there was unity. Yeah. And there's only one way that any of us will truly be unified, and that is through surrender. Mm -hmm. Surrender to God. Uh, Romans 12.1, I urge you, uh, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Mm -hmm. While we are alive, we've got to sacrifice by surrendering uh, to the Lord. And it's that simple. And that's what abiding in Christ is all about. It's a continual place of surrender. And uh, so when I think of when I think of that last section of John, and my favorite portion is the uh, 17th chapter, because he's in that prayer is the essence of what he wants from us. This is his last appeal to his heavenly father in the whole I did, the whole thing was make them one just as you and I are one. And so this is how we know him. This is how we get to know him is through surrender, surrendering to our circumstances. Amen. Amen. Yeah, looking forward to next week where we'll hear two real life resurrection stories and yes. uh, continue to think about, contemplate, read the narratives. This is a great week to just open up the, the end of every uh, four of the gospels and, and read the different narrative accounts of what Jesus did for us. And then let's come together on Sunday and celebrate the risen King. Amen. All right. Hey, thanks everybody for listening to the Conversations podcast. If you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email us conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Thanks for being here again, everybody. It was awesome. That's it for this version of the podcast. We will see you guys next time.